I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And as you're turning, uh, preparing, turning on your devices, opening up the app, I would say this about Exodus, that more than just a book, more than just a phrase, even more than just a story, the Exodus is God's operation manual for the world. Think think about this. In the Exodus, God hears the cry of people that he loves and sends a deliverer. Literally, the name in Hebrew is uh, is translated uh, Messiah, Savior. And, uh, And that person works miraculously and with power beyond their own ability to free people from slavery and bondage, sin and death, and then leads them out to newness of life. Now, hang on, hang on one second. Was I talking about Moses in the Old Testament, or was I talking about Jesus and the New Testament? And the answer is what? Yes, both. The Exodus story of Moses is the exact same story. I've heard it said that Jesus was the new Moses. Of course, he was greater than Moses. He's the son of God, but he followed this pattern. So so when we turn in the book of Exodus, what we find is a people who've been gathered out of slavery, out of sin, out of bondage, on the way to death. They've been gathered out of all of that, and they've now been given freedom And they have what they think are a few days before they enter the promised land and they're going to sort of shake it all off and walk into the promised land and be great. And God says, not so fast. You're not quite ready. The few days you think you'll be in the wilderness are going to actually be 40, how long? Years, because it took them that long, right? And in the midst of all of that, a few days into this journey of leaving death and slavery and entering life and freedom, God sends Moses up the mountain, and long 3,000 years before David ever, Letterman ever came up with a top 10 list, God offers, God offers Moses and the people of God a top 10 list. And if it had a title, it would be Top 10 Ways to Lead the Best Possible Life. I'd like to offer you, with that as the background, one of the top ten lists for how to lead a best, the best possible life, we pick up with Exodus chapter 20, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. And this is what the Word of God says. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of God for we, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Let's pray.
Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, we pray. Amen and amen. So what the Bible has indicated is that there is this commandment, and it actually literally says this commandment is based in part on how God made the world. God made the world in six days and rested on a seventh day. Another way of saying that, and I've heard someone else say it, and I really like it, and so I've been using it for years and years, is that God made the world to work in a rhythm of six and one. Six and one. Six and one. We are to work and rest. Six and one. And yet there's some people, I'm not naming names, y'all, <coughs> me. There's some people who see it as a badge of pride and, and, and competition to walk in after the 107th day consecutively of working and say, I hold the world up. The world would fall out of the sky if it weren't for me working. In fact, there's some people who work so many days in a row without taking a day off that they wear it as this badge of pride and honor, and they are so cranky and foul to be around that the world wishes that they would take a day off far, far away from the rest of us. You know what I'm talking about? Because what they're doing is they're violating not just the recommendation of God, but the law of God. We're to work and we're to rest. We're to work and we're to rest. There's a rhythm for the way it's supposed to be. How are we doing at keeping the rhythm? Tammy's got this chart that she shows on how people spend their day of rest. What do you do on your day of rest? Take a look down at this in the bottom. Now, this is important. This is 590 U.S. adults. Now, pay attention who set aside one day a week. So this is not, because this is based on a previous question, this is not a survey of people who disregard it and never take a day off. This is actually people who do take a day off. Are you, are you with me? This is a people who, this is a list of people, this is a response of people who do take a day off, and what they say is, on their day of rest, 44% of them, over here in the right side, 44% of them do enjoyable work. Now, hang on one second. Did the Bible say on your Sabbath day you're allowed to do enjoyable work? <laughs> Did it say that? No, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. And then 37% of them say that they do non-enjoyable work if it needs to be done. And only 19% of U.S. adults say that when they take a day of rest, they do no work at all. This is, this is an indication. I mean, I appreciate the fact that people are telling the truth, but this is an indication that, that we're struggling to live into the way we're supposed to live according to the commandment of God. There is a rhythm. There's a rhythm. Let me ask this. What did Jesus say about this? Matthew chapter 2, verse 27 he had been, he'd been in a conversation. He'd been in debate with the Pharisees who believed that, that, the, that the law of God was something not just to be followed, but was something to nearly be worshipped. 
was, was, was to be adhered to and observed in a way that Jesus believed they had, the, the Pharisees had flipped the reading of the Bible upside down. He says, he said, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. He's telling the Pharisees, he's telling the Pharisees, don't get it confused. God's not angry at you. The Sabbath is not mad at you on behalf of God when you don't keep it. But he does say the law, the Sabbath, was given for you. The purpose was to help you because we believe our God is our help and our strength and our source of of support. God cares about us. God gave us the Sabbath for our own good. But how do we do at keeping it? See, I believe that the Bible makes it clear from the verses that we've already read that God has created this rhythm for the way we're supposed to work and to rest. You got that slide? Just take a look at this. If you think back to the Exodus 20 passage, God says, six days you shall work. But the seventh day, the seventh day is a day of rest. This is biblical. God says we are to work and we are to rest. Say it with me. We are to and we are to work and rest. Now, work is understood this way in the scriptures. Work is the fruitful transformation of the world through human effort and skill in ways that serve our shared human needs and give glory to God. Work, listen, these words. Work requires wisdom and work requires courage. Wisdom and courage. This is the kind of thing that we believe the home should be helping to develop and foster in us. It requires wisdom and courage because work often means working with other people and when you work with other people you need wisdom and you need courage and rest rest is well it should be easier to understand rest is stopping our work though the chart indicates that we have a hard time stopping our work work should be i mean rest should be just us stopping our work but the truth is while we were made to work and rest We've opted instead for toil and leisure. Toil is defined in the Bible as excessive, endless, fruitless labor. The kind that leaves us exhausted with nothing valuable to show for our effort. Now now listen to that. There is is an exhaustion. Everybody, Everybody in the room knows this. I'm just telling you what you already know. There is an exhaustion that feels good, right? And then there's another kind. Like, like the, days that, the days that I come into the office and I sit down at the computer and I work and work and work and it's 2 o'clock and I look down and I realize that I, I haven't slowed down for lunch. Every hour my little Fitbit on my arm buzzes to tell me 10 minutes before the change of the hour that I should get up and be active. And those days I'm skipped lunch and I haven't gotten up and the only trip I make is maybe up to the restrooms or to the printer to get the stuff 
that I've printed off on my computer. And I get home that night, and Julie says, how was your day? Did you get anything done? And I'm like, I got a few things done, but it was terrible. Because it wasn't fruitful work. It wasn't good for the world, and it wasn't good for me. Because while I was clocked in at my workplace, I wasn't engaged in work. I was engaged in toil. Toil is this fruitless effort. This fruitless effort. And if toil is fruitless labor, then you could think of leisure as fruitless escape from labor. It's the kind of rest that doesn't restore our souls Leisure doesn't restore our relationship with others or with God. And this is important. And leisure is the kind of rest that doesn't give others the chance to rest. It's purchased from other people who have to work to provide us our experiences of entertainment and rejuvenation. How are we doing with this? How are we doing with this? I, I have this illustration from sort of my own life and my family. Before we get to the chart, I, I have this illustration from my own life and my family. And it's, uh, it's this. I, I happen to believe that in the middle of the state of Florida, there is a place that is like the greatest place on earth. You know what I'm talking about? You know? it's, uh, it's, 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 it's owned and operated by, by a mouse. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm... I mean, Disney World is awesome. Disney World is awesome. I love it. I love it. I mean, the entertainment, the rides, the fun. Are you like me, though? Have you ever been to a theme park? Have you ever been away on vacation, right? And, and, and on the ride home or walking in the door, after being on vacation, you've said the words out loud, I need a vacation after my vacation. Do you know what that is? That's biblical. That's biblical. Because while your, your company might have treated his vacation, right? While you might have swiped your card at an entertainment like, like, like super place, you weren't resting. You were engaged in leisure. There's a difference between work and toil. There's a difference between rest and leisure. Leisure is when we are being entertained by others. Now, now think about think about the trips that are exhausting with that trip that you once took to the beach. And you carried out the umbrella or the tent to protect your bald head and a good comfy chair, maybe a book. And you brought your friends with you or your family. And when the week was over, it could have been to the mountains. It could have been anywhere. But when the week was over and you got back home, you were twice as fired up to go into work the next day because you had rested. I believe that we were made for work and rest, but too many of us have opted for toil and leisure, and they are not the same. And the chart shows that technology has not made it easier. 
mean, the Bible says we're to take a Sabbath. But when they ask a thousand U.S. adults, do you regularly take breaks from social media? From the, hang with me, from the exhausting effort it takes. And you think I'm kidding when I finish the sentence, but I'm not kidding. The exhausting effort it takes to scroll through a social media timeline. It's exhausting to try to keep up with all the people and all that they're doing and watching. That's not rest. That's exhaustion. 60% of America say, nope, I do not take regular breaks from social media. I don't do it. See, I think, I think a home in harmony is a place that fosters wisdom and courage. And not just, not just to our children, but I think a home in harmony fosters wisdom and courage in our own lives, in the lives of adults. I think a home in harmony nudges us to return to the rhythm that we were made for, the rhythm of work and rest, and not the rhythm of toil or leisure. And the truth is, we've got a little work left to do in our homes with our kids. This is, uh, this is really recent information. On average, parents say their children spend five hours using an electronic device. At our house, we call them screens. Five hours on a typical weekday. On a typical weekday. Five hours. I mean, if you think we're talking about children on a weekday and they're supposed to be sleeping at night, which is actually a little bit of a problem we're going to talk about next week, and they're in school during the day, this indicates that every non-school sleeping hour, where's the balance there? Where's the rhythm there? Where is the pacing back and forth between work that nourishes and transforms the world and the rest that nourishes and transforms our souls? What can we do to reclaim our time for actual work and rest instead of toil and leisure? I, I honestly uh, think that for a, for a lot of folks, the words that I'm saying sound impossible to achieve. <laughs> Maybe not for everybody in the room, but for some people in the room, they're like, but, but it's lost. We, we have no boundaries. We can't stop. How do we stop? What if, what if we started small? What if, what if we found one hour a day that we turned it all off? You never know. I don't know about you, but it, it might be that those devices need to recharge themselves for an hour. Anybody? Yeah? Here's good news. We need good news, right? Here's good news. The good news is that the average American family actually spends 6.3 meals together a week. That's actually good news. 
Now you're going to say, yeah, but we eat a lot more than that. I know, but, but when, you consider, when you consider breakfasts that are oftentimes happening, when people are running out the door, when you consider that lunch often happens, when people are at this work or this work or this school or this school, right, this is good news. Nearly every day, families report that they are spending, on average, a meal together. What if, what if during that meal, we turned the things off? And just looked at each other. Remember what they look like, the people sitting across from us. Remember what they sound like. What if we turned our devices off and spent time? I'm not saying, I, I mean, the teenagers for three weeks now are hating my guts. They're like, would you stop telling us or our parents that these things are bad? I'm not saying technology is bad. I haven't said that once. It's not bad. Until, until it begins to meddle with, until it begins to obstruct, until it gets in the way of the, of the work and the rest that we're supposed to be engaged in, according to the scriptures. What if, what if one hour a day we turned them off? What if, what if we tried to be re- less reliant, less connected one day a week and what if this is crazy what if one week out of the year we just engaged in rest and not leisure i know we're like two weeks away and all the football fans in the room think that i've what i've just said is absolutely the worst thing they've ever heard watching football on a saturday or a sunday is not rest, especially if you're a Georgia Tech fan, okay? We've been terrible forever. But it's not rest because because I'm employing others to entertain me. Doesn't mean that, that leisure is all the time bad, but it does mean that we can't swap out our work and our rest for toil and leisure and not pay the price. This is not how we were made. So I ask these three questions. How much of your work and rest is more like toil and leisure? Where is God nudging you to change your actions to return to God's rhythm? And what changes could you make that would help to create a home in harmony? Let's pray. Gracious God, may your word proclaimed change us. May we be not only hearers, but doers of your word. And may we be open to the nudges in our lives from you to transform our rhythm back to one of work and rest, reducing this sense of toil and this love of leisure. And may all of this be for your glory, we pray. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen and amen.